This is Story Beat with Steve Cuden, a podcast for the creative mind. Story Beat explores how masters of creativity develop and produce brilliant works that people everywhere love and admire. So join us as we discover how talented creators find success in the worlds of imagination and entertainment. Here now is your host, Steve Cuden. Thanks for joining us on StoryBeat. We're coming to you from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. StoryBeat episodes are available at storybeat.net and on all major podcast apps and platforms. If you like this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating or review. And please, won't you subscribe to StoryBeat wherever you listen to podcasts? Well, you're already likely to be a fan of my guest today, Michael Dorn best known for his longtime popular portrayal of Klingon Starfleet officer, lieutenant, and later lieutenant commander, Worf, in Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Michael has appeared more times as a regular cast member than any other Star Trek actor in the franchise's nearly 55-year history, spanning some 272 TV episodes and five feature films. He also appeared as Worf's ancestor, Colonel Worf, in the film Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Beyond Star Trek, Michael has appeared in various feature films, including as Apollo Creed's bodyguard in Rocky, and in Shadow Hours, Lessons for an Assassin, and the Santa Claus trilogy in which he played the Sandman. Michael's also appeared in numerous TV shows, video games, and commercials. Michael's also directed three episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. So for all those reasons and many more, I'm deeply honored to welcome the great Michael Dorn to Story Beat today. Michael, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So, all right, let's go back in time. You've been at this acting game for a bit of time at this point. Where did it all start? Where did the bug first bite you? Were you a kid or how did you get into the acting game? Uh, the bug first bit me uh, when I was shadowing uh, directors and producers uh, on the old Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I had gotten the bug in college to direct because hmm. uh, I, you know, in college you do everything, you know, you run the camera, you do the sound, you do editing, everything. And, um, I really loved the directing part. And my, my, um, professor at the time said that, you know, you really have a good eye and this is something that you, you could pursue. And I really hmm. enjoyed it. And, um, interestingly enough, a good friend of mine, uh, Benji Chule that uh, I went to high school with, his dad was assistant director on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And they were huh. very instrumental in saying, hey, you know, you can be a director, you can come in, you can see what it's like, and you can make a little money if you want to be a stand-in on Fridays um, <laughs> when they tape the show. And I go, okay, great. So it's very interesting. I, you can see me in the background the last year and a half or two years of the Mary Tyler Moore show right behind uh, Ed Asner's office. Really? A, a guy sitting there all the time, yeah. And uh, that, that was the directing part. But in the meantime, which is a very interesting story, is that one of the actors that was guest starring, uh, John Amos, um, was supposed to be there for one of the rehearsals and he couldn't make it. He had to go to the hospital because I guess he got hurt or something. And so they said, Michael, would you stand in for him. And I go, great, no problem. And I had known the other actors, you know, Mary and Ted and 
and Ed and, and Gavin for a long time, you know, like they've seen me like for a, a year. Right. So I wasn't like a, you know, stranger. So I started, you know, kind of acting and just kind of playing around with the words and doing stuff. And for two weeks after that, they said, you know, Michael, this directing thing is, is okay, but you got to do the acting. You were really, really good. And you first, you, you know, me, I kind of go, yeah, 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 whatever. But they kept talking about it. And <laughs> one of the other guest stars uh, came by and I guess he had talked to somebody and they said, look, Michael, we heard you wanted to do this. Go see this uh, commercial uh, company, you know, to do commercials, commercial agent, commercials unlimited. So I went in, had an interview and they started um, sending me out and I got a number of commercials and that was really good because great, you know, make a little, little extra money. But when I started doing the acting, I got another agent through a, a chance happening and they sent me on uh, auditions and I got the auditions and it was, um, that was when the bug hit me. So Where I went back you? to school and, um, you know, started studying acting and lots well, of months later, about a year later, I got my first. Um, Where did you study acting? Uh, there was an acting school called Charles Conrad in LA for many, many years. I don't know. I, maybe the, the school is still there. I don't know if he's still around. And uh, also uh, Brian Reese was instrumental in my, um, my acting. It wasn't about n knowing how to act. His thing was getting the job. Right. His, his whole focus was this is how you get the job. And uh, which was good because I already knew how to act. It was just the idea of really kind of honing it and really understanding who you were and how to go into a, um, an audition. What were the principal things that he taught you as to how to get a job? What, what did you learn? Well, the first thing was you, you went into his class once a week and you worked once a week. And what that gave you was experience in terms of when you went in for uh, like cold readings is, is what he does. And that's what, that's what most of these, you know, auditions in those days did were cold mm -hmm. readings. You get the sides, you go in and you do it. And that, so that day, it, you, you got the sides that day, you weren't given any advance on it, right? Uh, yeah, usually it's either a day or two days, but usually it's a day. And um, you have to go in and give a performance. Sure. And so he just taught you um, how to do that. Like, for instance, one of the things he said is, you can go into a cold reading or into an audition. Somebody will say, um, okay, um, that was good. Go higher or go bigger. And you think that you're going really big in your head, but you're not really. You, you, you're going like not a foot, you're going an inch, but in your head, you think you're doing a lot more. Right, sure. And so it teaches you that when they say, okay, go bigger, you have to go bigger like really big, like almost where you think it's ridiculous. And if they say, okay, bring it down some, then you have your, you know, you have your level that you can, that you can go by. Um, also doing it every week, you're not afraid of going in to an audition because you're, it's just another audition. It's just another reading. You got it. Boom. You're dead. Sure. And that is the other thing too, is, is working all the time. Uh, the auditions aren't so like strange to you. And so uh, that was that was the other great part. Well, there's no substitute for just doing, doing, and doing, and doing. You just get better and exactly. better. Exactly. 
-hmm. I think there's no piece of the entertainment industry that uh, isn't like a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Exactly. And, and you're not, for me, you know, my thing was whenever I go into an audition, my heart is beating like crazy, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> and if you're going, if you're just going in there going, yeah, yeah, whatever, then none of that stuff can affect you. Right. Um, and, uh, and also, I remember walking, I, I had audited like four, three or four acting classes. And all of them were like, yeah, okay, okay, I get it. You know, some have their own systems, whatever. But his class, I walked in and I watched these people do their cold readings. And they were fantastic. Mm -hmm. Not even like, I mean, they were really good and really interesting. Also, he taught you that they do this thing called casting director night where you play the casting director. Okay. And everybody comes in and these are people that you know, that you've, you know, been in class with. Right. And everybody does the same audition. Basically the one that does something really different is the one that stands out and you notice. Right. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not going to walk in and put on a bozo wig and a, and a fake nose, but <laughs> If you are within the parameters and you're really interesting or you have a different take, you get noticed. There's something different about that. It, it, I think that's, and I've been in bunches of auditions and there's no question that when you see lots of people over and over again, most of them are sort of hitting the same notes. Oh yeah. And then you Which find the bad. one that's- I mean, they're, and they're good at hitting those notes. Right. You know, not that they're, but that person that is just like you go, ooh. Well, that was interesting. Just a little special in some way. Just a little special. And so, so did you then think about auditioning so that you'd find something special as you auditioned? Was that part of that? Uh, no. The, the other part of Brian's um, formula or his class was you become, or that's not the right word for it. You are that person or that character when you walk on the, on the lot or when you're driving to the, to the audition. You don't break character uh, because if it's a bad guy or if it's a guy who's mean and you come in and you have your little, you know, eyes out shirts and you're, you know, hi, how are you doing? You know, and well, great. That's really, and you're, you know, joking and laughing. <laughs> and then you go, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to kill you. People kind of go, mm, you know, they, it takes it out of, but, and I've seen it too on, on the other side, when I was casting for stuff, the people that came in as the character, that came in and they were, they had it when they walk in the door, uh, you are more likely to hire them. Interesting. And so, that's what happened. I, every, every audition I went on after, you know, going with, uh, being with Brian for a while, I was that character. I didn't joke with the other actors. I didn't, you know, kibitz out in the ante room. I took a place by myself in another room or away from everybody and was that character. And, and how long were you at it? I assume that you started to book various shows and, and, yes. and, and jobs. Uh, mm -hmm. How long were you at it before you thought to yourself, you know what, I'm actually pretty good at this. Was it soon, soon in or did it take you a little while? I thought I was really good uh, from the very start. You did. Um, I thought I had this natural ability. It's my ego. I mean, what can I tell you? <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I was a bit egotistical, but I, I just thought there was this natural thing that I had. And, but I, I realized that I wasn't, it was just, I could just do that one thing. And then after with Brian's class, then I realized that I could do it. I wasn't the greatest or anything like that, 
but I went, oh, I can do this. And this is how you do it. Well, and I assume you were able to look around at the rest of Hollywood and, and know that there were lots of people who were okay, but not great, but they were finding work. So that, that had to be some encouragement that no matter what you were, you were going to go find something. Yeah, uh, there was a, a really difficult uh, point in my career where my agents were like going, Michael, you know, your cold reading stink and you got you to gotta do something about that, you know, or get out of the business, you know. And I looked back and I said, well, I've done work. I, had, I was on a reoccurring on a series and I had a numerous commercials and, you know, some sitcoms, you know, so I knew that I could do it, you know. I took that seriously for a second. And then I went, no, 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 I could do this. You know, it's just I needed to expand my, my expertise. So it That's was, it was patience and persistence at that point, yes? Um, it was persistence. Uh, patience didn't really enter that much into it. It was being persistent. Persistent. And being focused and not letting anything kind of get in the way of the goal which was to get rid of that nice guy image that I had, you know, and to be able to do many other things. And to go uh, deeper, darker, weirder, funnier, whatever those things would be, yes? Yeah, yeah. In auditioning, you get a role, and I never got dark roles. I would get, like, cops and lawyers and doctors and you know, boyfriends, but you had to understand, you know, if you're doing a sitcom, you had to understand comedy. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a drama, you had to basically be as serious about that role as you possibly could be. Do, um, do, do you enjoy doing comedy when you get it? Oh, I love comedy. I absolutely love comedy. I like I, good I, comedy. <laughs> you know? pre pretty much every actor I've ever talked to would would rather do comedy than drama. They love doing drama, but they would rather do comedy because it's just so much more fun. It's a lot of fun. But there is there is an art to comedy. No question. There is definitely an art. And and I remember I was at a meeting about directing a, a sitcom in New York and the guy said, So what do you think? You know, what do you think about comedy? I said, look, good comedy is drama. Mm-hmm. Oh sure. Is serious. It's not <laughs> laughing and slapstick and pies in the face. It is like when you say something, and, and interestingly enough, my character on the show became a, a comedic character once a year because they wrote one line a year that they thought would be hilarious for me. Right. Um, because he was serious about it. Whatever he said, he wasn't joking. Right. You know, he wasn't trying to be serious. And the more serious he was, the funnier it got. And so, and I actually, I got hired for that because I think the guy, the producer went, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and I got hired for the sitcom. So that was great. Well, Ed Edmund Gwen allegedly once famously said, uh, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. Comedy is hard. Comedy is hard. And if you want to see exactly what Michael's talking about, just go watch the movie Airplane, where all the actors in it, Lloyd Bridges and Leslie Nielsen, they're playing it straight. It's as straight as oh, can be. Oh, my. <laughs> it, it is. And it was just hilarious. You, it couldn't have been funnier. <laughs> You know, and they're saying words that they've said maybe a hundred thousand times in their careers. Sure. But it is hilarious. You know, well, it's the, just, it's, it tends to be the context in which it's being said, but you're yeah. playing it straight ahead. You're not trying to get the laugh. Yeah. Like I, I watched a bit of it when the guy says, um, Leslie Nielsen says to um, Peter Graves says, 
uh, you have to land this plane. And he says, well, he says, let me, or something like that. I got to talk to you or let me say, you know, let me ask you something. When can you end this plane? Well, I can't land. I can't for two hours. He says, you can't tell me for two hours or you can't <laughs> land for two, you know? And no, 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 I, I can't, I can't land for two, you know? And it was just this normal conversation and I was on the floor. Absolutely. And that's what's missing a lot. I mean, I, I'm a big Anglophile. So I love British comedy. Oh, me too. And, you know, my favorite was, was of course, Monty Python. Of course. But, um, but Yes, Minister, if you want to see great comedy, and they're deadly serious about it, and it is just hilarious. Well, nobody's better at underplaying the line than the British. Oh, and also the, the new one I have is um, Doc Martin. I don't know that one. Is that, is that British? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's about a guy... A doctor, very short, not short stature, but he doesn't suffer fools. Right. And uh, I think he has a bit of OCD, uh, but he's a brilliant surgeon and he gets a phobia all of a sudden about blood. <laughs> and he's a brilliant surgeon. Right. And so he says, I can't do this anymore. I might as well go to this little village and become their village doctor. And his deliveries are some of the funniest things I've ever heard. Who's the star of it? You know? Uh, Martin Clunes. Martin Clunes. Mm -hmm. uh, I will definitely check that out. I've you never definitely have to. It's brilliant. So, so all right, let's talk about what happens in your process as an actor. You, mm -hmm. at some point you book a job, you get a script. And when you're on a series, you get lots of scripts, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. What is the first thing you do aside from just reading it? What is your, what are your first processes toward turning the script that you have into something that you can now say? How do you start to think about your script? Um, the, the number one thing is that I talk to the producers and say, what do you want from this? Mm -hmm. as, a, as a guest actor, you don't have that opportunity a lot. Uh, you basically are hired and you got to show up with the character. Mm -hmm. So that's your first, my first question is, what do you want from this, this character? Right. Or who is this character? And the next thing is that if it's a character like I played, well, one time I played a psychologist, psychiatrist, and I went to people that I knew who knew and who were psychiatrists. And I mm -hmm. said, how do you do this? And they gave me the parameters of what a psychiatrist should do. And then the next thing I do is I give this character a backstory, which is now they, they, they may say, oh, well, he's a psychiatrist and he treats you know, people with this kind of trauma. Okay. That's basically a outline. I give him a backstory. Where did he come from? Where did he go to school? Is he married? Is he have, is he happily married? Is he, has he been divorced? Does he have children? Is this his first job? Is, you know, was he something else? And all of these things, I give him a life of his own. And then from there, whatever somebody says to me or whatever the lines are, I bring that to the to the lines whatever the, they are the you're you're taking the life that you've built and bringing that forward through the lines exactly mm -hmm. and and i i'm assuming that if it's i assume you're first looking for clues within the text of the script to help you with that background but if it's not there then you're going to start to make things up on your own exactly i mean if, if if one of the lines is you know yeah i was married twice and um and my kids hate me then yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a, that's not a clue. That's, that's who you are. Sure. But then you have to take that and uh, start to, you know, build another story with that. So, so that when somebody says something to you, you're coming from someplace and it's going to be 
a little more interesting than if you're just reading the lines. Would you say that's the most challenging aspect of getting into the character is figuring out the backstory? No, that's the easy part. What's, the, what's then the most challenging thing of developing a character? Um, it, it depends. If you're on a series, you have to kind of conform to a lot of things, the politics of the of whatever series it is, mm. the politics of, of the production company, the politics of the producers. Uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can't, you know, there's a the politics of the other actors. If you have a big star actor, you know, or somebody who is above you on the call sheet, you know, you, you, that's, that's a challenge depending on who they are. Some, some actors that I work with are very giving. Some actors are very standoffish in terms of who they are and, and all that. You, you really have to navigate that. And that's, that's been a, a very difficult part for me. Would you say that that takes time on a series? If you're on a series for a while, that takes a little time to figure it all out. Or are you sort of having forced through circumstance to have to figure that out pretty quick? Well, it depends on, you know, if you're on a series and, it, and you're, the, you're a regular on a series, then you pretty much figure that out pretty quickly mm -hmm. because you're there and they have to share things with you. They, they have to share their, you know, their ideas and their foibles and, and all of the stuff with you because you're, you're there. I mean, it's not like that, uh, not like a guest star, which means a guest star is you show up that day, you go on the set. They say, sit over there and you do the work or whatever you do, and that's it. And you're, you're gone. So you have to get that all arranged within a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And you don't have that luxury when you're a guest, but you're also not bound by that because nobody is going to give you a bunch of crap, you know, because you're going to be gone. Sure. The producers aren't going to even probably see you until they see you in dailies, you know, so... <laughs> Would you say that, that you got better at that, at sussing out the politics of a, of a set after a while? Or were you pretty good at that early on? Or was there a trick to it? I'm terrible at that. Some people are very good. I'm just terrible at that. And so I don't, I don't get involved with it. Uh, and if you're, uh, as a guest star, you go there, you, you're on time, you know your lines, you don't bump into the furniture, and you go home. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they can say about that. You know, <laughs> they can't say, unless you're terrible or something. And then they go, oh God, he's bad. Um, but you're, you're a pro. You go and you approach it as a pro. You do exactly. the job. And you have no idea what the politics are. And you don't care. You really don't care. Right, right. Um, the, as, a, as a regular, uh, then that, that becomes a little more problematic, depending on the show you're on. Well, because now you're dealing with not just this, uh, politics of the studio and the production company, but you're dealing with coworkers and like any job in any place, you're dealing with your, the politics of, of what I call tiny town politics, because it's oh, a small self-contained thing. It's a small, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a very good definition. Very good definition. And, uh, because, and you have to kind of work your way through it or, or, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly you're the, on the outs somehow. And that's not yeah. good. And depending on where you are on the, on the call sheet, you know, if you're number one, you carry a lot more weight. Sure, and of course. Gonna, uh, it, it just goes on and on. I mean, it's just a myriad of things. And then you have to, you know, how do you get along with the crew? You know, Of course. If the camera operator doesn't like you, he may be apt to <laughs> shoot you out of focus, focus <laughs> you know, you know a bit, depending <laughs> on, you know, I mean, and you, and, and also I've been, I haven't been on shows like this, but I 
was very close to a couple of people that were on shows where the, the lead actors and actresses were just horrible to each other. Oh, wow. And unprofessional. Wow. And, and it's just amazing. Luckily, I haven't been involved in anything like that. So No, and, and nothing that I've read from your history suggests that you were involved in anything like no. that. No, I've been very fortunate. Even the first series I did uh, was, was Chips. And Larry and Eric, for all the stuff that was going on at the time, which was, it was a crazy time in the business, they were the greatest guys. I mean, I really liked them both a lot. And they didn't make it difficult for us to, to act. They were, did they make they, it fun? They made it challenging. Larry, not really. Larry was cowboy from Oklahoma. Really, really good guy. Right. Eric had, um, he, was, he was becoming really, really big. But they didn't make it difficult, not at all. They, they made it like you really had to kind of navigate that, that show because it was, I mean, it was a wild show. I mean, it really was a wild show. And not a negative way. It was just wild. I mean, you're talking about the late 70s, early 80s. It was sex, drugs, and rock and roll <laughs> I mean, to, to, a, to the nth degree. And like so, you say, he was, uh, he was becoming super famous. He was super famous. Exploding. Super famous, yeah. 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 So what for you makes a, obviously you're, you're going to take jobs as an actor in Hollywood mm -hmm. that you may not relate to well, or you may not even like that much, but you're going to take the job when it's offered to you. But when you look at parts and you look at scripts, what for you makes a good part or a good role good? What, what is the thing that you get turned on by? Uh, great words. Great words. The great writing. The great writing. And, and without I mean, that, you've got nothing, right? I've been really fortunate um, for a lot of reasons, you know, because Star Trek has given me the, you know, the opportunity to really pick and choose what I do. Sure. And so I don't have to take jobs because I have to take them or I, because I, oh my God, I, you know, if I don't take this job, I'm going to be, you know, dead in the business. You know, of, course, of course, of course. Uh, so, so I've been very fortunate and also for better or worse, I've done, uh, I've always loved Shakespeare, the classics. Mm -hmm. And um, I did two, two plays. I did uh, As You Like It and uh, Antony and Cleopatra. I was the lead in, in Orlando. And just beautiful words, you know, just incredible words. Well, it's very hard to beat William Shakespeare, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, it, you know, the more you do it in terms of even if it's the long run, it changes every day, you know, and it gets better and better and better. And know? what's the most fascinating thing to me about Shakespeare is that he almost gives you no stage directions of any kind. No. It's no. just the words itself. Just the words. And, and it, was, um, it was quite an experience. So I, I love the words and they're great writers. But, you know, I just recently did a, a movie where the role was really good and the character was had some depth. What, what film was it? It was called uh, Agent Revelation. Agent uh, Revelation? It should, yeah, it should be out, gosh, next year sometime. 2021, because we're talking. 2021, uh, yeah. We're speaking at the end of 2020 today. Yeah, and that, I, I really liked that. I mean, it was, it was a low-budget movie, had a, a lot of interest, but I did enjoy uh, the character, and the words were great, and the scenes were fantastic. 
again, you were able to pick and choose this. It, it, it came mm-hmm. your way somehow and you right. decided to do it. Uh, right. And when that happens, does it, does it feel to you like it's just right? It's your part? When it, when it comes to you, does it feel like it's yours, like, like you own it? Uh, no. No, I, I don't think I've ever felt at first, no. Maybe later, but I don't, I, I, I don't. In fact, a director wanted me to do an, a, a show and I couldn't do it. And I said, well, you know, the guy that did it, you know, I said, he, he seems fine. And she goes, yeah, but if you had done it, it would have been different. And that's, that's the way I look at it, as that I don't own it, but what I do would be different than somebody else. Sure. Um, of course. But I, I don't, I don't, I've never said, oh, I own this, you know, or when I, when I read something, I've never said, oh, this is me, I, you know, or this is my role. Never. Um, I just look at it as, wow, this will be interesting. And interesting is always good for me. All right. So you had obviously tons of experiences in a couple different directions. One is we've already talked about being a guest star on a show where you're in and out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you've also clearly been on a show for a very long time, years. Mm -hmm. Did you find that, that as you did Worf over the years, that he deepened for you in any way? Did the writing deepen for you? Did your take on him deepen? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think that it, he, it's funny. He and I became more comfortable in our skin. Oh, that's interesting. And I think that that really, really, helped the character a lot. Well, that's interesting because, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Star Trek. I'd rather talk about process, but, but the truth is uh, that the Klingons in general are not known as soft, fuzzy characters. Mm -mm. So for you to feel like you became part of the skin of, of that character, that's interesting. It wasn't, I, I became part of that. It was just the idea that I was very, very comfortable doing who, doing Worf because mm-hmm. he was like an old friend to me. You like, know what like, I mean? It like was, putting on an old shoe, as they say. You know, it's, it's easy. You can do it and it's easy. There's no fuss, no muss. And I think that, and when I say the character is more comfortable, he was more relaxed as you, as if you can see the, the, the way that he has grown since the, since next generation, he was stiff and angry all the time. And, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, wasn't very sure. Like I said, he wasn't very comfortable in his own skin. And as the character went on, he became a lot more comfortable with who he was. And luckily, I was very fortunate that the writers on Next Generation and Deep Space picked up on that. And they wrote some just beautiful, beautiful episodes. So they started to follow your lead over time. Yeah, initially it was. I mean, the the initial thing was what was what I did the first got three days on the show, on the pilot. I went to Gene Roddenberry and said, hey, what do you want from this character? And he says, don't listen or don't, you know, go by anything you've heard or or people have said anything. Make the character your own. And that to me was was like winning the, bar- the brass ring mm-hmm. was to say, oh, fantastic. And so I created this character and the writers picked up on it immediately and just ran with it. Well, obviously you did something right because it lasted yeah. a long time mm-hmm. and, and, and is still to this day quite a popular character. So, yeah. Well, and, and I, I tell you a little process. Sure. You please. Talk about process is please. that the, the way the, the technical part of this whole thing was that when they were casting for the, for next generation, my agents called and they said, 
we're sorry, we love Michael, but it's already cast. If we, you know, if we need you in the future, we'll give you a call. Wow. And so, and, and at that point, I was doing, working pretty steadily. So sure. it was just another audition. I love Star Trek and always have from the 60s. So, so I said, oh, well, whatever. Went on about it. Two weeks later, they call back and they say, we want to see, we want you to do this character. Long story short, I go and in makeup that day that I get the role and, and I'm hired, but I haven't been introduced to the other actors at you're, all. You're talking about as Worf now. You're in makeup as Worf. as Worf. Got it. But I went on the set one day as Michael Dorn. They don't know me. They don't know what I'm doing there. <laughs> but I went on the set and I was watching them. And everybody was so wonderful and so great with each other. Mm. And oh, oh, that's so we're we're comrades and we're going out in space together and they're laughing and having a great time and oh this and I went okay I'm gonna do the opposite oh and that was my process for that uh, interesting. I said I'm gonna be as angry and as pissed off as I possibly can all the time I don't smile I don't laugh I don't understand their jokes I don't want to understand their jokes. You know, I always, I always used to say, you know, Patrick would say, uh, Mr. Worf, um, could you pick up that pen? And I go, I'll die first, you know, and <laughs> I'll kill you if I have to, you know? Um, well, you, you know what was, they say? The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> pen is mightier than that. I'll pick up that pen and stick it in your neck. Um, but that was, that was a, a choice. Okay, so in that process, because now you're dealing mm -hmm. with the other actors, did that impact them in a negative way toward you? Because you were angry all the time like that? The other actors? Yes, the other actors. Uh, no. Um, that group of actors were fairly, uh, not even fairly, they were very, very experienced in guest starring and doing things. I mean, or having you know, a reoccurring on something or, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, everybody was very experienced. So they weren't even that concerned. I mean, they understood that I wasn't this character because when I got out of the makeup and we hung out, I was Michael Dorn. So they respected what you were doing at that point and what didn't impact oh, them on a personal level at all. Not a personal level. They loved it because they just, they, they basically had something to play against. You know, sure. Like uh, Jonathan Frakes and I, and I, I'm sorry. People would get upset. Some people would, but I thought it was very funny. He always called me big, dumb, stupid Worf because Worf would be standing around going, what? I don't understand, you know? And oh God, geez. So I think that they, uh, not personally, not at all, not, not a bit, not a bit. So, all right. So what lessons did you learn early on in your career or early on in Star Trek? What did you learn that have stuck with you to this day? obviously the very first times that you go on a set, there are things you don't know. You don't know how you're going to be. What have mm -hmm. you, what did you learn early on that you still do to this day that have stuck with you? It, it wasn't learning as much as not fortifying my, my beliefs, but validating uh, my beliefs that when you start whatever day that is, you come prepared, you don't bump into the furniture, mm -hmm. you know, your lines, you basically do the work the best you can mm -hmm. and, and leave it at that. The one thing that, that we do that I got from working on Star Trek and the other actors 
is we have, you know, there's rules, you know, you don't point, you don't indicate, you don't, uh, like I said, you don't bump into the furniture. There was a sense of, as when the camera's rolling, we were spot on. But when the camera stopped, all of the things came down, you know. What things do you mean? You mean the, the facade of being in the character? Is that what you mean? Yeah, totally, totally. We, were, we weren't even close to what, who we were, you know, who our characters were. Not even close. Interesting. And right. uh, so you're able to kind of let it go and not take yourself seriously, which is, which is always good. If you took yourself too seriously, it would not be a lot of fun, would it? But, but I, there is one thing I did that I did learn that was the tenor of the show emanates from the top. So whoever is the lead, number one on the call sheet, right? his attitude permeates the rest of the production. Am I correct? That's Patrick Stewart in that case? Yes. Mm-hmm. My, I, I mean, obviously, I, I've never spoken to him. I don't know him. But my guess would be is that he's the ultimate professional and a very sweet person underneath. And a him. very sweet person. Yeah. Oh, and I've, I've been on shows where the lead actor is a bit on the um, egotistical side. Right. Where, you know, if they call the person to the set, or the shot or whatever, they may come at the time or they may take their time and they may, you know, I mean, I've, I've definitely seen that, but not with our show. And Patrick was the lead in that because when they called him, he was out of his trailer and walking to the set. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a, I don't know how many years, but his trailer was, my trailer was at that time was closer to the set, to the door of the set than his was. Because I think his was just a bigger trailer, so they needed more space or something. (laughs) And they call him, and we'd all come out of our trailers basically at the same time. And Patrick would always be in front of me. And as I'm coming out the door, he'd always say, come along, Michael, come along. (laughs) It must have been, I don't know, three years every day, you know? (laughs) And I'd walk out, come along, Michael, come along. (laughs) And... um, and it was, it was, and that was fine. You know, we didn't rebel against that. Everybody, I mean, you really had to be there. You really had to be on time. He obviously wasn't saying it meanly. He was saying it sweet. Oh, gosh, no. No, 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 no. We, I don't think we, you know, that's not, it wasn't us, you know. But he was, he was just giving me shit. So as an Anglophile, obviously he's British. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that that's part and parcel of being a very good British actor, th- those that you've known and worked with? Oh, yes. That, that oh, yes. They're, just they, pro- they, they're just pros. They're just pros. It's just like, you know, you going to a job, like a real job. I never dreamed of being late for work. It just, just isn't in my head. Me either. Yeah. Early, yes. But I'm, you know, on time. And so... That was never that was never an issue. Uh, but Patrick saying that was just the idea. The reason I said that is that, I mean, they would call him and he's out the door. Right. You know, I mean, if he's sitting or if he's in the bathroom, you know, that's one thing. <laughs> but otherwise, he's out the door. Uh, to me, I've been in the business a while and mm-hmm. there's no question whatsoever that the real pros are always early they're never on time. They're always early. Early's on time for them. Mm-hmm. And that they're always there for you as you need them. It's exactly. And, and the ones that aren't professional, they tend not to. And it's mm-hmm. a 
funny, funny thing about that. So it must yeah, be, they, it must've been a joy to work on that show then because everybody oh, was, was in sync. It was, it was an amazing experience. All right. So, so, so you obviously have also done a ton of voice acting, mm -hmm. a ton of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious for you, is your preparation, your thinking, your performance, how does it differ? I know you've got to work the voice a little differently than mm -hmm. you would in a, if you've got, you know, camera up and close in your face, but how is it different for you? How do you prepare differently for a voice job versus an on-camera job? For me, you don't prepare. I found that when you go in with a something prepared, it's not what they want. Got it. And it's not, it's not anything malicious. It's just that they've changed their mind. Sure. Or the client has said, oh, you know, we want this. So I just go in and be flexible enough to where I, I, I say, okay, how do you want this? You know, do you want Worf or do you want Michael Dorn? You know, mm -hmm. and they go, well, we'd like to get a little of both. And I go, yeah, of course you're going to say that, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> what, do you want this or that? Well, can you do in between? Yeah, I, yeah, I get it, you know, but that is, um, you don't really prepare. You well, really have to kind of go in and, and be on your toes about it. Well, Michael, you, I, I, I don't have to tell you, you've got a magnificent instrument in your voice. It's Thank a, you. It's, Thank a, you yeah. it's a gorgeous voice. So they're going to want to exploit it to the best of their, yeah. in their thinking. In their thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so do you have a preference? Do you prefer to work on camera? Or do you prefer to work just voiceover stuff or is it just the job, the job? Um, I prefer um, on camera. On camera. And for those two things, on camera. And, and, I, and I gotta say the, the last job that I did that I was just tickled pink about was Castle. And I played a psychiatrist to um, Stana Kadic and, and Nathan Fillion. And talk about professional. They both were just amazing, mm. amazing to work for. And the scenes were amazing. And they knew their lines and they knew their stuff and they were there on time. You know, all that stuff we talked about. Right. And uh, it made it a pleasurable experience. I did, I think, six episodes, five or six. And that was just fun to do then. Oh, it was just. And the role was, it was a psychiatrist. So the role was interesting and the words were interesting and, that helps uh, you as an actor doesn't it when those words are interesting to play oh yeah you know well actually you know what it does is it liberates you from thinking about the words they just come they just uh, that makes sense because they, just, they, they, flow, they flow naturally they flow naturally you don't have to try to work and figure out how to say it you know and and it was it was beautiful it was really something all right so i want i'm curious about your uh, philosophy toward auditioning because mm -hmm. I know the listeners who are going to listen in, some of them are trying to figure out how to start their careers. What is your philosophy toward auditioning? How do you approach it? The first thing is to get the lines. To me, that's the first thing is to know the, know the words. If you have an opportunity, know it inside and out so you don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is to put it in context. What is it going to be? Are you in an office? Are you in this? You know, and just sort of kind of lay out the scene in your head to, to develop a character going in not no not develop a character you're basically they're gonna give you the character stuff later is what i think you have to kind of have a a, a performance and it doesn't matter about how close the character is to this character you have to just have a performance where whatever you do they go okay, I can see that in my movie, or I can see that scene in my TV show. 
And so you have to have a performance is what I, what I think. And do you, do you tend to take a tact? In other words, do you say, I'm going to come in this certain way in my attitude as I play it? Or are you trying to be natural about it, you know, without thinking about it? No, you, I come in as the character. As the character. As the character. So you are taking a, it's a tactic to oh, play, yeah. play it a certain way. Oh, yeah, definitely. But you know, the tactic is, is less about how to play it. And the tactic is more about how you do, how you audition. You see what I mean? Absolutely. Um, there was a guy, um, I didn't direct this episode, but LeVar directed and I was shadowing LeVar. And this guy named Alan Graff, who was in Police Academy movies with the big gun. Yes. He came in for a role as a Klingon. And he walks in and the producers kind of wanted to kibitz kibitz with him a little kibitz, bit, you yeah. know, kind of, hey, and he just went, no, no, stop. And let's do the scene. And it stopped everybody like, okay. And he did the scene. He was wonderful, of course, and he got the job. And that's the kind of, that's not the character. That's his process mm -hmm. of auditioning. And that's my process too. I will, if somebody says something to me like, you know, oh, Michael, I really love your work. I'll say, thank you. And go on in. They'll ask, do you have any questions? No. And you go on and do your thing. So, okay. So that leads me to a, a sort of the next part of that, which is sets are notoriously distracting places. There's lots going on, people moving and talking and mm -hmm. people yelling and screaming and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of act activity. What do you do to zone that out? Or are you able to? What do you do to stay in focus? What's your, do you have a process for that? Not even a process, no. You just don't, you know, if you're, depending on where you are in your career, that's just stuff that goes on. It's when they say action is where you have to be at the time. Mm -hmm. If people are really doing naughty things, you know what I mean? If they're trying to distract you or they're, you know, <laughs> you know, then yeah. But usually the stuff that goes on is just noise around you, like white noise. You know, the camera operators yelling and screaming, the this, the this, you know, I mean, they're all doing stuff. You're just kind of going, okay, well, I'm waiting, you know. Are you thinking but, but about your no, lines? At that point, no. Um, I, I've got my lines. I know what my lines are. Got it. What you're looking at, I mean, what I do is the rehearsal is the first part of that sort of process for me. Sure. Because I'm seeing what the other actor is doing. You know, I'm looking at what they're doing, how they're approaching the scene, blah, blah, blah. And I, it's sort of like a tennis match. You just sort of go, okay, they hit it over here. I'm going to go over there and they hit it. I'm going to drop shot it. Okay. Then they, you know, or if it's a really interesting give and take, then you're just lobbing it back and forth until you get that opening. And then you could, take a moment or whatever the case. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to defeat the other actor, but you're playing with them. Well, obviously it wouldn't be good if you were defeating the other actor. That would be, <laughs> that, that well, might turn you, out to be <laughs> dangerous for it, the show. Let me tell you something. It happens a lot. Where people are trying to kick the butt out of another actor? Totally. Wow. Totally. I mean, really trying to screw up the scene for their own benefit. Wow. I mean, it was, I did a movie, not going to say the actor, not going to say the movie, but sure. I did a movie where I was supposed to run to this guy who was dying and blood's all over the place. And I was, the director says, okay, Michael, you run over there, you stand over him and you do this with the blood. And then you look at that. And then there's a moment where you, where they, uh, the guys are coming to arrest him and you stand up 
and the guy looks at you, you look at him and da da da. There was an actor on his own volition, ran over there, kind of didn't shove me physically, but kind of got in my way. And he looked at the blood. And then when the guy comes up and I'm supposed to stand up and look at him, he stood up in front of me. Oh, I just looked at him and I said, well, first of all, what are you doing? Well, I, you know, and I, well, okay, anyway, we had a little moment, not a big moment, not a, but what he did was he ruined the scene and they didn't use it because it didn't make any sense. And there were, there have been times where people have, they go to a, an undermining class, I think at some point, and they really try to undermine your performance. So then the camera has to look at them. I think that's usually either insecurity or despair or both. They're desperate to be on camera they're, or they're very insecure about who they are. So they have to prove it somehow. Or they're dicks. I don't or, know. <laughs> well, that may be the ultimate answer is that they're just flat out dicks. Yeah. Well, Hollywood's filled with all kinds of people. I mean, I yeah. have to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, that is, that is luckily that hasn't happened a lot, but it does happen. And you have to, and this is for all other actors. You have to say something. You have to say, don't do that. You know, please don't do that. And they're going to get defensive about it. You say, no, no, just, just please don't do that. So you, if that doesn't work, then you have to go to the director and Mm -hmm. say, look, this is, this is a problem we're having. Is there anything that we can do? I was going to say, you've been on the other side of the camera where you're the director and now you have to deal with whatever those problems are. Oh yeah. Did you enjoy your time in the director's chair? I love directing. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It was absolutely. Would you say all your years as an actor made you a great, greater director than you might've otherwise been? Oh, no, no question. No question. When you're on the other side and an actor says something that kind of drives people crazy, you kind of go, Oh, I know where exactly where they're coming from. You know? <laughs> and you can really, you know, I mean, there has been so many times when I was directing where people have come up and oh, he's doing this and he's doing that. And, and I want to, I said, okay, wait a minute. What do you need? Well, I need my tricorder to be a little more this. And I go to the prop guy. Can you do that? And he goes, yes. Okay, well then do that. And they'll both walk away and it's fine. Or I worked on a show and the lead actress was a very sort of like, not temperamental is not the word for it because she was very sweet. But she just kind of like had her own thing. She, you know, she showed up when she wanted to. And if she didn't like the scene, she left. <laughs> and... uh we, we figured this scene out and somebody had kind of messed up with the staging. And I go, and the, the actress is coming to do the scene. And I go, oh, well, this is wrong. The staging's wrong. And they go, oh God, yeah, you know, you're going to have to tell her, you know, they were all like frightened. And I go, <laughs> she comes up and I go, you know what? We screwed up here. We got the staging wrong. It'll take us about 10 minutes. Can you give us 10 minutes? She goes, oh, okay. She turns and walked away. And, uh, Another time, there was a, an actress that said, Michael, I don't have a process. I just do it, and that's it. I don't have to, like, think about it. That's it. It's just a process. That's all I And I go, really? Yes. And there's a scene, and she goes, she comes up to me, and th- we were taping, you know. It was that day, or that, you know, like an hour before tape. And she goes, Michael, I thought about the scene, and I, I tried it, and I'm not going to do it that way. And I go, Really? She goes, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I said, okay. And I walked away. <laughs> and when, the, when it came to time to tape in front of a live audience, she does the scene the way that we, we had talked about. Mm-hmm. And I went up to her afterwards and said, 
thank you. And I gave her a big hug, you know, because I've said those things, you know, <laughs> I've never said I'm not going to do it. But I said, I don't understand that. I have no idea what you're talking about. What some is of it, that? Some Why of am I here? Why am I standing here? You know? It, sure. So, some of it, you know, actors are s sometimes fearful people and some of it's just fear, you know, and they're trying to deflect in some way. And I've worked with many directors that allow you to be fearful. Interesting. Or that say, or you say, you know what, I want to try something. And the director, instead of going, no, don't do it, just do it the way it's, most of the really, really wonderful directors will say, okay, show me. That is the way, is, is yeah. let the actors show you the way is correct. You know, if you say, no, it doesn't, you know, then have a reason for it. And the actors will go, okay. Um, this one actor, I know some actors hate it when I say this, is that some actors like the will have the scene done and it's good. In fact, there was a one guy, Bill Sadlier, it's just a fabulous actor. He said, Michael, can I do it again? And I go, well, that was wonderful. He says, yeah, I really want to do it again. I said, is it going to be better? And he goes, yes. And I go, okay, let's do it again. You know, some actors don't like that, you know, but it's just the way to kind of go. I get it, you know? So yeah, I, to make a long story short, yeah, I, I'm glad that I acted all this time uh, before I directed. The, the, the acting was important for you to become a better director, even Very though as, as we talked about way early on, you started out at thinking you were going to be a director when you went to school. Mm -hmm. So ultimately you did direct and you've, you had the training for it by the time you got to be a director. Exactly. Exactly. And did you enjoy the notion of that you were in the middle of everything that all roads led to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really, it's, it's the problem solver that I just love doing. I problem mean, solving. Absolutely. So problem I, solving. I'm curious, you're also notoriously, you're also a pilot. And mm -hmm. um, is that a problem solving issue too, when you're a pilot and you're up in the air? Um, yes. When things go bad. Yeah. But most of the time, no pilot. You know, it's, it's basically airplanes are very simple machines. They do what they're supposed to do and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem comes in. When, when, they, um, when they don't do what they're supposed when they to don't do. do it and then you have to find a place to land you know in the middle of a you know of a field or something or you know the engine quits and you're 10 miles from an airport okay you know but for the most part uh directing it's problem solving 24 hours a day i mean every minute there's something that you need to do mm -hmm. um actors coming to you kind of going i i don't understand that why are we doing this uh, you know, I, I, why is she walking? You know, I mean, it's, it's constant. It's constant. And I, and I absolutely love that. Absolutely. You, you, so in other words, you are a problem solver, which means that you are, you've always been a problem solver. Yes. Yes. And that's, it's in your nature. So it's in my nature. Yeah. So yeah. Therefore, and I, and therefore it's perfect. Like I job. said, when I, when I got to um, this one show in New York, the first thing I did was I asked the uh, assistant director, I said, okay, how am I going to get into trouble? What is the worst thing that could happen in this shoot? She goes, if you run out of time and I go, okay, I want you to help me not run out of time, you know? And she goes, okay, no problem. And so you basically, and, and I think also if you're honest with, with everybody, that goes a long way, a very long way. Uh, we had a scene where there was a stunt. Everybody got doused with water. I said to everybody, I said, look, 
we'd like to do it again. Because the producer said, hey, can we do it? I said, we'd like to do it again. We have it and we'll make it work. But if you guys can do it again, great. If not, no problem. And that was the truth. And they all said, okay, we'll do it again. And, and that's, that's a process. I mean, actors will do it. If, you, if you're honest with actors, with me, I'll do anything you want me to do. I think that that's, um, that's not only super smart, it's, um, it's true for so many businesses. So many businesses. If yeah. you're just honest with people, it goes a long way. Oh. But, but as soon as you start trying to twist, you know, it's, it's that old phrase, uh, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we practice oh, yeah. to deceive, you know? Yeah, well, I know. And you could see as an actor, if you ask a director, why am I doing this at this point? And you see their eyes, they're going, their eyes are going, he's blinking and they're going back and forth. He's trying to figure out how to say it so that you'll do what he wants. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he's lost me. Right. You know, it's like, he, he, I'm sorry, I'm gone now. You know, I've, obviously you don't know. Yeah, the, a director really needs to walk on a set pretty much knowing exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's you know, not a I guessing mean, this, game. This one movie I did, the director, I said, look, um, shouldn't we be doing this? Or how, how am I going to? And he look at the script. He just stare at it. Like, talk to me. Say <laughs> something. I really, really need to have something. <laughs> you could see it. And he'd stare at it for like, like two minutes. Uh, and you kind of go, okay. That, that doesn't engender confidence in the actors, does no, it? No. No. In all of your many years of experience, you've already told us a bunch of really great stories, but mm -hmm. can you share with us a story that's either quirky, weird, strange, oddball, or maybe just plain funny from all the things you've been through? Interestingly enough, uh, my friends on Next Generation would always ask me, when there was a movie that had a predominantly African-American cast. Mm -hmm. And they would say, Michael, why, aren't, why weren't you in that movie? And I go, because I'm not considered black. What? And so they, they came up with this thing where, you know, they could save money on credits and just say, starring not Michael Dorn. <laughs> and everybody else. But the story is, um, there was a TV show called, I'll never forget it, Morning Maggie with Ellen Green. Okay. And I went in to read for one of the leads. And this actor, um, this character is a, I guess I forgot what he was, either manager of the station or something like that. Anyway, a colleague. And I walk in and I read. I was doing very well at that time. You know, like I said, with Brian Reese and, you know, that thing. So I walk right. in, right. did a very nice job. And you've never heard the accolades. First of all, Michael, when you walked in, you were that character. We couldn't believe. I mean, you are the image that we had of that character. And I go, that's great. And you're reading. I mean, it was the best. And then when you, you know, when you read, it just solidified and they were just up. You're going to the network, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So maybe a day later or something like that. They said, okay, you're going to the network at 10 o'clock on Friday morning. Great. So I get a call at like nine o'clock Friday morning. And my manager says, um, Michael, you're going to laugh at this. I go, really? What? He said, well, you're not going in for the 
network. And I go, <laughs> why not? She goes, well, because they just don't think you're right. And I went, well, that makes no sense because the producers and the casting director said all of this stuff. And she was privy to this. She goes, well, this is the funny part. They said, you're not black enough. And I went, That's crazy. Yeah, you're not black enough. And I said, okay. And I hung up the phone and I didn't answer it for three days. I literally ignored the business for three days. And my manager, and this is those days when you had the phone machine that you could hear people, you know, when they, um, <laughs> yeah, sure. When they call and she, Michael, hi, you're, you know, this is Marianne. Give me a call. You know, next day, Michael, you've got to call me, please call me. And I'm sitting there in my little apartment reading the magazine or reading a paper, not even thinking about them. And finally, three days later, um, I, I answered the phone, but I was incensed. I didn't, you know, and to tell a black person that they're not black, you kind of go, really? Uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I wasn't ready to get out of the business, but it was a moment where I went, okay, you're going to have to put up with this, for, you, you know. And if, so you, if you were ready to get out of the business, that would have been the push over the edge. That would have been it, yeah. But the thing is that you go, okay, look, this is not the whole business. You've had a nice career. Things are going well. It's it's a it's a what do you call it? An aberration. And and have you ever experienced that since? Um, not that, not that. Um, I can't think of another time. I mean, that stood out, but no. Um, but I don't really. There's there's been a lot of shows, you know, that I haven't been able to uh, to get into. And I think that they probably after that part of our lives. Um, I think that they probably are a little less prone, not prone, a little less willing to make those statements. You know what I mean? They're not going to say that out loud. Well, they shouldn't be saying it or thinking it at all. No. Well, that's uh, that was a, a moment, you know, that was pretty crazy. I assume you haven't experienced too much prejudice that you're aware of in your career. Certainly probably not after you did years on Star Trek. Oh, I think that... Um, People say things as as liberal as as our business likes to believe we mm -hmm, are. Mm -hmm. People people have said things that are that are racist, um, and you kind of go, well, do I want to pop him in his mouth or am I going to let it go? You know, That's and you kind of go, you know, you just kind of okay. You know, it could be a lot worse, and it isn't. So you just kind of like kind of go, okay, that's fine. You're able to deal with it in some way. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not causing you to think about leaving the business again. No, no, because the overwhelming experience that I've had with people in general in this business has been uh, extraordinary. Uh, from the minute I got in the business, it's overwhelmingly been a positive experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes up, you kind of go, it's like, you know, if you get a bad review, you know, if somebody says, you know, they're watching a movie and they're going, oh, you know, I don't, or the TV show, not at Michael Dorn. You know, you kind of go, well, he doesn't like me, but a million other people do. You know, well, who are you going to listen to? You know, you can stand in any museum in the world and look at the greatest artwork in the world and some people won't like it. So, oh yeah, totally. You kind of go, I, I don't get it. And our business is a very subjective business. It's not objective. So. Uh, it's totally subjective. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's an art form. I mean, you know, there's a business it to it, it is but it's an art form at the end of the day, and it is totally subjective. Okay, so last question for you today. Um, do you have a solid piece of advice or a tip that you can lend to those that are maybe starting out or maybe are in the business a little bit, but mm-hmm. trying to get to the next level? Something solid for them to take away. The business has, let me preface that, the business has changed immensely in the last, God, 15 years mm-hmm. where there are so many shows and so many platforms and so many ways to, to get in the business or to be in the business. And, you know, there's so many roles. If I was going to give any piece of advice, it would be to uh, be ready, whatever you want to do in the business, whatever it is. But if you're acting, be ready for that moment, which means go to school, Take acting classes as, as if you can, so that when you're, when, they, when you're called upon, it's not something that's, oh my God, I'm, I, you know, I, I've got an audition, you know, and I better be ready, you know, you're, you're ready for it. And before, in the old days, it was like, go to school, because that's the only thing, go to school, do plays, and get ready. But these days, it's really just to be ready, to think of it as a job, and just be ready to, uh, to leap in. At any moment. That is, uh, that's very, very wise and valuable. And, you know, you think back to Thomas Jefferson, who I think it was Thomas Jefferson, if I have the right quote, mm-hmm. that he said that luck favors the prepared mind. Exactly. And so you have to make your own luck. But what you're saying is absolutely true. The way that you make your own luck is by being prepared to jump when the moment presents itself. For, for a lot of reasons. Like, for instance, you know, when you, uh, there was a job I got many years ago where, I went in and read and they said, you know, Michael, wonderful reading, but we're just going to go for this other guy. We'll call you later. Oh, great. And you go, okay, you leave. And the guy screwed up really bad and they called me. So that is luck. Mm-hmm. Bad luck for him. Good luck for you. Sure. You know, but I was ready for that moment. And when, when you get the knock, you have to be ready, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, if it's luck, if it's, if it's um, karma or whatever you want to call it, you just have to be ready for that moment. Because when those moments pass and you oh. don't take advantage of them, you're, you're finished on those. Oh, yeah. And, but the worst part is that not so much. I got to tell you, there's, a, there's another story. Mm. There was a, a chance I was going to do an L.A. law. Okay. My manager knew the producer director on that show. And I went in. And I screwed up the reading. I wasn't bad, but I wasn't up to my standards. Okay. And I still know that scene to this day. And that was, that was 1988. (laughs) (laughs) I still know that scene to this day. Well, we sometimes have a terrible tendency. I know I do. We have a terrible tendency sometimes to remember that something bad that happens, but we don't remember always the good things. And you should oh, try to be uh, the opposite. You should try to remember all the good things and forget well, the, the bad. The, the point is that as an actor, you don't really get that many chances, you know? Some exactly. Do. So you've, oh my God, you've got, or else you could end up like me, which is knowing that, and, and it's, it, it's all a, a mind, you know, I won't use the word, but you know, you're just, you know, it's, it's a mind, you know what, because you're going, 
oh my God, you know, if I had done that right, I could have had, you know, an LA law role and I could have been, you know, and David Kelly would have had me for others. You know, I mean, just the whole thing, which is, which is ridiculous. It doesn't really have any. I, I, yeah. I think if you're, I'm a little bit of a fatalist. If you're supposed mm -hmm. to have that role, mm -hmm. you're going to get that role. Mm -hmm. If, if you're not, you're probably not. So therefore it's not, you know, it's not going to be your part to play. And, and also, you know, maybe they said, maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe they said, you know, yeah, we like him, but, you know, he's not right for this. Maybe I didn't do so bad, but just they just wanted to go another direction. You never well, know. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the Getting parts is a numbers game. The more often you get mm -hmm. in front of casting directors, the ch better your chances get at getting cast. And there's, there's a, something else that um, if I could just inject this last little bit. Absolutely. Is for, for your for actors' spiritual well-being is when I was directing, 90% of the time, the actor that was right for the role didn't get the role. Really? 90% of the time. Because there was a lot of other reasons why. Over and over again. Sometimes, yes. 90% of the time, no. There was one show I did where they asked me, the producer said, so what do you think? And I named off all the people and they went, no. And they let me have one out of, I guess, three roles or something like that. And the one role that I chose, this couple were beautiful, wonderful. They got it down, boom, professional. The other three roles that they chose were just pains in the ass, but they had their reasons for it. And it had nothing to do with the actor. Well, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that instructive that, you know, you, you might not get a part, but that part, there may have been a reason that had, you had no control over whatsoever. No control. There was a guy, I did a, this one show that I did, um, they wanted a Jim Carrey type. So they had two comedians come in, one black, one white. The black guy was hilarious. And we all looked at each other and went, this guy, we got we to gotta hire this guy. But the writer said... I wanted a Jim Carrey type. So we had to go with this guy that was the Jim Carrey type. But the other guy, we said, we're going to hire him later for something else. You remembered him. Yeah. So, so those are the things. You, and so I guess my point is, you can't take it personal. You oh, go in. Really? You, that's you for do sure. the best you can and you leave and let it go. Because that's it. I mean, it's... So that, that's, that's my, that's my, uh, that's the thing that got me when I was directing was like, you know, I'm going, who'd you like, Michael? Well, she's perfect. No, we're not going to go with her. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, we're not going to go with her. What about her? And I go, well, she's terrible. That's who we're going to go with. <laughs> and she was terrible. And she um, was really, wasn't really, we had to reshoot stuff. And of course I got blamed, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, you just have to let it go. Just go in, do the best you can, and say goodbye, thank you, and go have a drink. Well, my, Michael, this has been uh, fantastic and well, so I'm... much brilliant advice for people who are trying to have something like a career in a very difficult and challenging business. That very difficult. Hollywood. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. It's just been fantastic. It's my pleasure. Let, uh, thank you for, for allowing me to be verbose. Oh, you know, so. I, I, I love it that you were verbose. So I appreciate okay, it. Okay, great. Okay. And so we've come to the end of today's story beat. 
If you like this podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating or review on whatever app or platform you're listening to. Your support helps us bring more great Story Beat episodes to you. Until next time, I'm Steve Cuden, and may all your stories be unforgettable.